Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children. I'm Melanie Cole, and in this podcast today, we're coming to you because we neglected to talk about some things in a previous podcast when we were talking about dating and sex talk with our teens. And we didn't really neglect, and I take that back. It's just I think we didn't focus enough on the boys in our lives and teaching them respect, teaching them manners, teaching them about safe sex and their responsibility in all of it. Joining me for the second part of this podcast is Dr. Gary Kirkulis. He's a pediatrician in Phoenix, Arizona, with a very unique practice. Dr. Kirkulis, I'm so glad to have you back. Tell us a little bit about what your about your practice. What makes it so unique? Oh well, thank you for having me back. Yes, uh, I, I have a pretty unusual practice. I think most uh, pediatricians work in office buildings and medical centers, but uh, I, I actually work in a van. Uh, believe it or not, it's a forty foot mobile medical unit, um, and essentially what it is is a it's a mobile home, um, but we've retrofitted it to have an exam room, actually two exam rooms, uh, a pharmacy, and a laboratory. Uh, and what it does is it serves to bring medicine and healthcare to populations that normally wouldn't have access. To it. So, for example, children and families in low income neighborhoods, children who live in homeless shelters, all of them have some pretty significant barriers to getting their, their health care. So, uh, the Phoenix Children's Hospital and our team essentially bring the uh, health care to them. So, it's a pretty good uh, opportunity and it keeps things really fresh and new every day. And it, uh, it's a great way to bring health care to people who otherwise wouldn't have access to it. Well, it certainly is, and what a unique practice, Dr. Kirkulis. I have so much respect for what you're doing. Now we want to talk about our boys. And the thing is, I have a son who's 21, and since he was little, I always taught him to, you know, treat girls the way he treated me and the way he would want to be treated and respect. How do we start with our boys to teach them respect from being little guys for everyone? And I'm not just saying for the opposite sex, but while men are being, you know, told they have to be manly and they have to be tough and maybe they shouldn't cry, maybe all of these things, we also want to teach them respect and gentleness and kindness Tie this together for us and tell us how we can really teach our kids these things. Yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great topic. And I think in the past two years, unfortunately, we've had a lot of high-profile cases where um, you know, movie executives and actors and politicians have come under the limelight about issues regarding consent. And I think uh, while it's very sad, the sort of silver lining is, is that it's, it's really brought in consent and the idea of consent in the, into the public conversation. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's occurring now more frequently. And, and, and when we do talk about dating and relationships and we talk about sexual relationships, we often do a good job of talking about, you know, abstinence, you know, safe sex, but we don't often talk about consent, um, which it, which it really needs to be included into the conversation. And, and in particular regarding around boys is that, when we do typically talk about consent, we, we, we sort of center the conversation on girls. We say things like, um, you have to make sure you, you voice your opinion and you, you don't dress in ways that will uh, attract negative attention and uh, you know don't drink because you might get slipped something. And 
while those are all conversations that are good to have, it places a lot of burden on females as if the male wasn't at all involved in, in, in the equation. And I think to what you're alluding to, yes, we definitely need to have specific conversations to young boys to teach them about consent, both in, in the dating romantic relationships arena, and but also just in, in, in everyday, everyday life. And so for example, in, in my home life, I have a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. And frequently, the six, my six-year-old is sort of the, the leader of the troop, and he'll say, okay, now we're going to play with Legos. And you know, every once in a while, my four-year-old daughter will say, well, I don't want to play with Legos. And I really try to use those as a teachable moment to say to my son, look, you know, she doesn't want to play with Legos. You know, that's her right not to, and we have to respect that. And those teachable moments can begin with our sons, you know, even preschool and even into grade school. And those conversations need to happen. And then as they get older in, in grade school, you can sort of tailor that, especially during, you know, a junior high when, you know, the, the early dating relationships start. You really need to have those conversations and you can talk to your sons about, you know, what does it mean to be in a relationship? What sort of signals does someone show you to know you that they're interested in, in you? And you can take it from there to sort of probe the, what their, their knowledge of it. And then, of course, when they're in high school, you can have more frank discussions about uh, consent and, uh, and dating relationships. What a great summary. And I think another time that this conversation can be brought up is around the HPV vaccine, right? Because we're giving it to boys, been for a while now, and it's around 11 years old, right? So can we use that time? And if so, how do we broach that? How do we talk about sexually transmitted diseases and why they're getting this vaccine that it's not just for girls and you know for cervical cancer but that it can also help prevent cancers in them but that safe sex includes consent and protection and all of these things absolutely you know at, at, at the age of 11 when we're giving the hpv vaccine i'm frequently confronted by parents saying well um you know my child isn't sexually active he doesn't they, he or she doesn't need this vaccine and I, I try to explain yes you know ideally we want to do this before uh, they become into into romantic and sexual relationships and we know that while this this uh, vaccine is primarily used to prevent cervical cancer we do know that the transmission occurs via sexual activity with with boys so it's ideal that we want to vaccinate both boys and girls and to your point yes at 11 year old uh, age that's when we want to start talking about about consent um, because you want to prepare them and some of those conversations can even include a safety plan so when they they start those dating relationships um, you want them to know that it's okay to come to you if they ever find them in a situation where consent is is an issue and that they know that they can come to you no matter what no questions asked that you'll be able to answer their questions so if it's someone that's you know maybe inappropriately touching them or kissing them uh, or even you know sexual activity they know they can come to you well i think it it applies also across the board as we you know have more and more of our lgbtqt and all of these things coming at our kids and it's more global right we're we're hearing about things going on all over the world all the time i think it's about teaching our children respect for people in general but specifically our boys so we've talked to them about safe sex we've talked to them a little bit about consent and with all of this, you mentioned drinks and that sort of thing. As they start to head off to college, are we done being able to do that? Because that's when we worry about our girls with the drinks. And But why not be teaching our boys that the girls, so the girls don't have to worry about that? 
Absolutely. And, and, and to your point, a lot of the non-consexual encounters uh, occur in the setting where either one or both parties are intoxicated. So um, when, when, when we're talking to our young people about consent, we need to first say, what is consent? You know, what, what does it mean to say yes or no to something? And then two, who can consent to things? So for example, with intoxication, I know it sounds silly, but anyone who is unconscious cannot consent to any sort of sexual relationships. I know, again, that sounds very funny, but it needs to be said because unfortunately this is happening quite a bit in high school and college and beyond. And then also if someone appears intoxicated, they also cannot consent. Um, I would even go as far as if anyone's using any substance at all, I would say that they cannot consent because you really don't know what level intoxication they are. And if you you know young people, they don't typically use substances like adults do. So for example, you know, the typical parent might enjoy a glass of wine with a with a book or with dinner, but young people tend to binge drink or use substances like cannabis to to levels where they become quite intoxicated. So it, I think it's best to teach our young men that, you know, if you're at a party or something and someone appears intoxicated or really if they're using any substance at all, that's probably not the best time to, to ask for consent or, or move forward in a sexual relationship. And when we talk about safe sex, even if they are in a consensual relationship, again, we put the onus on the girls to take the pill and to do those sorts of things. But talking to our boys about safe sex and sexually transmitted diseases and protecting themselves as well as their partner is an important conversation to have as well. Absolutely. And, and, and when it comes to, to males, you know, I tend to more think about um, safe sex in the terms of condoms, which would obviously fall in the place of the male. And, and, and specifically for that reason, I always think about birth control as hormonal birth control for females because adolescents being adolescents, um, they, males will typically not either have a condom, want to wear a condom, or give lame excuses not to wear one. But our, our boys need to know that if they're going to enter in a sexual relationship, even though we reckon them not them not to, um, that they have to do their their due diligence and protect themselves and their partner by using condoms. And if that message is only being given to, to females, um, that's only, you know, sort of half the message where it's, it's really the male who's will have to have one and, and be willing to put one on. Well, that's the key right there, right? They have to be willing to use this. So we want to teach our boys without shaming them. We, we want to be able to teach them about consent. We want to teach them about safe sex and all of these things. You're the father of a couple of boys. Start the conversation for some of the parents that don't know how to start the conversation. What would you say? How to talk about rape, sexual assault, safe sex, all of what we're talking about here today. How do we start that conversation? You know, it, it, it sort of depends on how old they are, but if, if you're talking to, you know, a junior uh, junior high or high schooler, you might want to probe them, sort of using the the examples of some of these high-profile cases and ask them, you know, how do you feel about, um, you know, such and such person committing sexual assault on, on a female? How does that make you feel? Um, what do you feel about consent and, and how that plays out? And you could either go that route. The other route that I have often suggested to parents is actually talking about something quite benign. You know, talk about, you know, if you were to go to, to lunch with a friend and that friend wanted a salad and, and you said, well, hey, you know, this place has some really good cheeseburgers. I think you should have a cheeseburger. And they said, no. How does that play out? Do you, do you force them to have a cheeseburger or do you respect their, their, their desire to have a salad? And you use that sort of benign context to really put into, into the, their ideas about how that relates to sex and why that's not permissible. 
the other thing you really want to mention about is communication. So especially if they're in high school or if they're in college, you really want to instill the idea that only yes means yes. Anything other than yes is a no. A lot of the non-consensual um, uh, sex that happens is, is a result of miscommunications. So if someone says something to the effect of, well, yes, maybe, or I'm not sure, or doesn't say anything, that means no. So you really want to depend on the word yes. And then again, touching on the intoxication, as we know, that's frequently a, a, an, an issue. And I think if you, you sort of center those conversations on those key elements, um, you, you, you'll be setting your, your child up for success in, in this realm. The other thing you want to talk about, especially with high schoolers, is um, the idea of consent really is only a legal term for people who are 18 years and older. Um, someone who is less than 18 would typically, they would use the term assent, so they they, they're assenting to sexual activity. And it, it, it's possible that if someone is in a you know a sexual relationship with someone who's 18 and they're a minor, they can face some pretty serious uh, felony offenses. Um, so that, that should be also a part of the discussion as well. What a great point that you've made. Now, before we wrap up, I want to just address an issue that's kind of gone around lately, and that's locker room talk. For, what, hundreds of years, boys have been had this sort of safe space where they could say anything they want, where their masculinity was expected to be, you know, over the top, whatever you want to say about it. But locker room talk, talking about people, whatever they're doing. I mean, how does a parent, especially a, a, a mom, get into this kind of discussion when even their child might say, oh, mom, you know, they're just, they're just having fun? Yeah, that, that's that's a tough one. You know, peer pressure is both for f males and females is is pretty significant. But especially with males, there's this sort of expectation that uh, um, to be a, a man, you have to be um, sexually active, and that there's a lot of peer pressure to do so. And um, I think a lot of times, young boys will start to to want to do or feel pressure to do things that they're not really ready for, and, and they might actually see a lot of negative negative behaviors, uh, both in communication that occurs in locker rooms. And I think it's, it's it's important to instill some confidence in, in, in our young men to call negative behaviors out when they see it, um, to sort of be a champion for, for respect for women, and, and sort of to sort of change the narrative that to be manly or, or quote unquote a stud does not necessarily mean you have to be sexually active, um, that it's about being respectful. Um, and I think if you can steal that, you know, starting at an early age, that can be immensely helpful. And then what you had, you had sort of mentioned about a mom making that, that conversation. I think, you know, in the situation where a father can do it, I think that's really, really important because parents actually do have uh, a larger influence on their, their children's behavior than they give themselves credit for. And if you have a father giving that conversation, I think that there's something special about that as opposed to a mom giving that. And I know not every family has that, that ability too, but I think that's a really important, especially for both females and males to have a male come, you know, the father saying um, it's very important to respect women and to talk about consent. I think that goes a long way. I think it does. So do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave listeners with about teaching our boys manners, consent, sexual safety, all of these kinds of things as they're growing and learning to be a man, about teaching them to respect everyone around them. I mean, we want to teach our kids this no matter who they are, but for boys, it can be a little bit more of a challenge. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Kirkulis. What would you like listeners to take away from this? I would like them to take away that the fact that, you know, 
when you have that talk with with your son, you know, you're talking about abstinence, you're talking about um, safe sex and things like that, don't forget to include consent um, and to really instill in them the idea that um, you can't force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do, just like you would not anyone to force you to do something you don't want to do. Um, and if you start to instill that respect uh, and those ideas of consent and you sort of put it into into practical terms, I think they'll, they'll take notice of that. And especially, again, if it can come from a father figure or and if that's not possible, perhaps from a, from a male uncle to give those, those ideas to, to young men, I think that really will go a long way. And I think even the pediatricians, especially a male pediatrician such as yourself, can absolutely help get that conversation going for parents, yes? Yes. I think, you know, if you kind of go in the psyche of a young a young man, if, if, if it's a mom or a female saying that, you know, they may have the temptation to think, oh, this is, this is coming from a female. They're just being overly protective of, of themselves. But I think if it comes from a male to say, yes, you know, we are all sexual beings. Um, we have a, a desire for intimacy. But as a male, I'm telling you, you need to respect females. Um, and the idea of consent that you don't want to force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do. Like I said, yeah, I think it goes a long, a long way, uh, both as a male pediatrician and as a, as a father. Those conversations can have lasting impacts. And I think we'll start to sort of change the narrative that it's not a female burden to prevent sexual exploitation, that it's, 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 it's males that have to, to step up to the plate and be respectful. 100% agreed. And parents, this is great information. Start that conversation. If you don't know how, ask your pediatrician. That's what they're there for. Share this show with your friends and family on your social channels because it really might spark discussion that could help to teach our boys all of these issues that we've been discussing. And as the mother of a 21-year-old boy, I know how tough it can be sometimes to bring up some of these conversations, but it's important that we do. And thank you so much, Dr. Kirkless, for coming on and sharing your unique expertise with us today. And you're listening to Healthy Children. You know all of our guests, all of our experts are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, healthychildren.org. You can listen at Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, anywhere podcasts are played. But of course, we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for RadioMD, Healthy Children, the American Academy of Pediatrics, I'm Melanie Cole. Thank you so much for listening.